Tonight, uh, we're diving in uh, to the message right away uh, because we have a lot to cover. Uh, how many of you guys are enjoying our study through the book of Ephesians? Anyone? Okay, anyone enjoying it? I'm enjoying it. I'm loving it. I hope you guys are too. Um, we've been learning a lot fourth week uh, in this study. Um, and uh, I don't know you guys, um, but I've been uh, enriched by what this book has for us, uh, by what God, uh, through the Holy Spirit and through uh, Paul, um, has written down for us. Um, it's just so exciting uh, what God has uh, in store for us in our lives as believers. Uh, and if you guys remember, that is the theme of the book of Ephesians. Uh, it is new life, and it is uh, the life of the believer. Um, but before we go any further, I just want us to do a little bit of recap uh, of Ephesians up to this point. Uh, so we have some slides, because I believe in slides, and I believe they're uh, spiritual. Uh, if, you, if you think slides are spiritual, let me know by saying amen. Amen. All right, man, that's awesome. Man. Okay, so uh, a review of Ephesians for the past few weeks. Uh, Ephesians is a letter by Paul to the church in Ephesus. Um, the phrase, in him, occurs 27 times in this letter. So you're going to see the phrase, in him, or in himself, or in his son, or in Jesus Christ, or in God. You're going to see that 27 times in this book. It's crazy. Uh, this letter has been the Grand Canyon Epistle, and we talked a little bit why that was, because it gives us a great view uh, of what the life of the believer looked like. It is as if we were standing at a great uh, viewpoint, and we are looking out, and we are seeing the entire uh, viewpoint, and we talked about Death Valley a little bit, and how this is a picture of Death Valley behind here, and how you can just see for hundreds of miles, and it's beautiful, and it's, it's a reminder to us as Christians uh, that we can see what the life of a believer is to look like, and we can do that uh, through the book of Ephesians. Uh, it is broken down into three uh, easy-to-remember uh, sections. The first part of that is the richness of the believer. Okay, We're talking about the life of the believer. And so the first part that we can remember is the richness of the believer. And we've been talking the last few weeks about the richness of the believer, and we're going to continue doing so tonight. Uh, but we've looked at what it means to have the richness of a believer. We looked at spiritual blessings. We looked at the wealth and the bank account that we have as Christians. When we receive salvation, salvation is a package deal. It's not just a one-time uh, uh, thing. It has uh, a bunch of stuff that comes along with it. And, and, and we looked at what that package deal uh, entails last week. And we saw five spiritual blessings that we receive from the Lord uh, that come along with salvation. And we're going to review those in just a second. The second part of the book, uh, we're looking at the reflections of the believer. So as we are uh, Christians, as we are followers of Christ, the way we live our lives should reflect. Jesus, okay? And if the way we live our lives does not reflect Jesus, then we need to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. Because if we are not reflecting Jesus in the way we live our lives, we are hypocrites. And that's a very scary place to be. So the, uh, the, the middle part of the book there talks about the reflections of the believer. And lastly, we're going to see when we get to chapter 6, uh, the readiness of the believer. Okay, So we've got um, the richness, we have the reflections, and we have the readiness of the believer. And what do I mean when I say the readiness of the believer? I'm talking about when you are living in the spiritual blessings that you've received, when you are reflecting Christ, you are going to find that you become a target for some attack. Maybe it's attack from a teacher. Maybe it's attack from a classmate. Maybe it's attack from a family member. Maybe it's attack from the enemy of this world, the devil. Um, and, and so what we want to do as believers is we want to be able to be ready in season and out to do battle. When it comes to doing battle with Humans, we, won't, we need to be ready. Peter tells us that we need to be ready to give a defense for the hope that we have. So we need to be ready as believers. But also, we're going to be doing some spiritual warfare because if you're doing what God has called you to do, the enemy is going to want to stop that because the enemy wants to foil uh, God's plans. And so we need to be ready to do spiritual warfare. And we're going to talk more about that when we get later on into the book of Ephesians. What's the next slide say? Uh, this was last, last week's text. We looked at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. The week before, we looked at chapter uh, 1, verses 8 through the end. But this... This time last week, we were looking at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Uh, and this letter has a theme, and I want to just go over this theme one more time. The theme of the letter is new life in Christ. It is the life of the believer. And you're going to hear me say this every week. So by the time we're done with this series, anyone can ask you, hey, what's the book of Ephesians about? And you guys would say... New life in Christ. Yeah. New life in Christ, the life of the believer. And that breaks down uh, very simple... 
new life equals new standards. So we have been living our life one way, and now because of Christ, we're going to live our life a different way. Uh, what does the next slide say? Uh, this is summed up best as the richness, the reflections, and the readiness of the believer. Uh, that being said, I want us just to talk a little bit and look a little bit at what we talked about last week when it comes to the richness of the believer. We looked at the spiritual blessings we received. Does anyone remember what these spiritual blessings were? Anyone remember what the first one was? We are chosen, okay? And this is a really cool deal. God has chosen us. And how many of you guys are happy God chose you? Because if we had to do it on our own, we ain't getting there, okay? So pat yourself on the back. Everyone do it. Pat yourself on the back, all right? Now everyone take your left pointer finger, point at yourself and say, God picked me. All right, amen. I like that. Number two. Who can remember what number two was? Oh. Who can remember what number two was? We're adopted. Hey, we're adopted. And who can tell me maybe a little bit what that means when it comes to adoption? Are we talking about being added into uh, a family, or are we talking about something different? Sam, you got your hand up. No, I was just going to ask a question for the We Are Chosen. Yes, sir. So is that, like, to me that sounds like, like a Calvinistic thing, right? Well, man, if you were here last week, you would have got all the good stuff on that. And if you were here the week before, you would have got all the good stuff on that. So you're gonna have to check. You're gonna have to check the sermons. It's a good thing we record our sermons, so you're gonna have to check the sermon uh, on that. But yes, that is a very good question. That's the right question to ask. Okay, who can tell us what it means to be adopted? Does anyone know what it means to be adopted? We have the inheritance. We have the inheritance of what? Does anyone know? We have the right of the firstborn, the eldest. Son. Son, okay. And we talked about Jewish culture and how that works and how we can receive the inheritance. Now, who can tell me what the third blessing we receive is? We are, we are accepted. Okay, I heard we are forgiven. We're going to get there in a second. But we are accepted. And it's cool because we always like to think, well, I accepted Jesus into my heart. But really, you receive Jesus into your heart and Jesus accepts you. And I think that's really cool that no matter how I am, no matter what I've done in the past, Jesus can accept me. And Jesus can accept you, and Jesus places value on your lives because he accepts you. And I think that's really cool. The next thing that we talked about, the next and the, the fourth spiritual blessing, does anyone know what that was? We are redeemed. We are redeemed. And who can tell me what redemption is all about? I told you next time you hear the word redemption, you have to be able to say what it's all about. Who can tell me what redemption is all about? Slavery. Slavery. And, Aaron? Bought and paid for. Bought and paid for. So a slave... Can be set free when someone who is free buys their freedom. And they do it out of love. And that's what God has done for us. He has redeemed us. He has bought us out of slavery and given us freedom to live our lives. And all these are great. But without one, we're just still trapped in our ways of sin. And Taylor, what's that last one? We are forgiven, and God has forgiven us of all our sins. What did the psalmist say uh, there in Psalms? He says, "Look, Lord, you have forgiven my sins. You have forgotten them as far as the east is from the west. Okay, It is endless. Once you have given your heart to the Lord, once you have made the choice to follow Jesus, he forgives you of your sins. He has justified you by your faith. And guess what? He sees you as if you have never sinned. And that is a very cool deal. And I am so thankful for God's forgiveness. Are you thankful for God's forgiveness tonight? Amen. 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 Well, John, you can go to the next slide. If you're taking notes, uh, we're still talking about the richness of the believer. And this week we're talking about our resurrection as a believer. Okay, and John, you can just leave it there for the time being. You'll know when to hit the next slide. Um, but guys, tonight we're looking at Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, and, and, and as we have said uh, previously and in weeks past, uh, this book has been coined um, the Grand Canyon Epistle. Okay, I'm not making that up. Uh, uh, a Bible scholar back in the 1930s, um, he coined it the Grand Canyon uh, of Scripture for its depth and for its beauty and, 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 and how it paints uh, the perfect picture for us as believers. Uh, Paul wants us to understand uh, the amazing uh, life that we can have in Christ. Now remember, for those of you who are taking notes, how many times does in him or in Christ come up in the book, 27, man, you guys are great. Uh, and, and Paul wants us to know the amazingness uh, of this life with Christ. 
this book uh, is a vantage point to allow us to see where we were and where uh, we are going to go and how we are going to get there uh, when we go with Christ and what Christ has done for our lives. Um, so just want to clarify this before we move any further. Has anyone felt lost or confused or anything as we've been going through the book of Ephesians? Okay, yeah, some people feel lost and confused in life, and, and hey, we're going to look at life's picture tonight, and it's going to be good. But how many of you, as we've been studying uh, the book of Ephesians, you might have uh, gotten confused? We maybe have talked about something. Sam even brought something up tonight. Uh, he's like, wait, doesn't that sound like, yes, there's some confusion in the book, and we've uh, kind of looked at some ways to, to, to uh, smooth these things over, but there's some phrases that can trip us up, uh, some ideas that are foreign to us. Um, but this book is vast, okay, and, and, and it has a lot of things, um, and everyone uh, approaches it differently, okay? Uh, some people look at a specific verse and say, all right, this is going to be the theme of this book, and they look at the book through that verse. Other people look at the book as a whole, and they see the context of who it was written to, and then they see how that affects our worldview. People approach it differently, and I would say People approach the Grand Canyon differently as well. How many of you guys have ever been to the Grand Canyon before? All right. So there is probably five of us in the room who've been to the Grand Canyon. Okay. Um, one of us even went to college by the Grand Canyon. Is that correct? No. Oh, you didn't. You were going to go to college by the Grand Canyon. But check this out. If all of us were to give a definition of what we saw at the Grand Canyon, and you guys can even give definitions because of the pictures you've seen, it's all going to be different. It's all going to be different. <laughs> I heard a great pastor uh, he, he's a pastor of a church in Albuquerque. Uh, he's, he's awesome. I listen to his sermons weekly, um, and, and he's just a great Bible teacher. Uh, and I heard him uh, put it this way in, in reference to the Grand Canyon. He said, uh, three people went to the Grand Canyon. One was an artist, one was a preacher, uh, and one was a cowboy. Okay, uh, and, and, and the first one, the artist, he walks up to the edge of the Grand Canyon, he looks at it, and he goes, oh, what a marvelous masterpiece this would be. If only I had my paints, I could paint this, and it would be a priceless picture. Typical artist, right? Okay, then the preacher walks up, and how many of you guys know what the typical preacher would say when he sees the Grand Canyon? Look at God's creation. It's typical that the intern would say that because he's the intern to become the pastor, the preacher. And so uh, that's what a preacher says. The preacher goes up there and he says, oh my goodness, look at this creation. It is a testament of how great God is. Two different approaches to the Grand Canyon. Now the cowboy comes up. And how many of you guys have ever lived or worked on a farm before? Okay, a few of us. Uh, Alex, if you went to the Grand Canyon and you had your cow with you, what would be the first thing that popped into your mind? Oh, shoot. Yeah, that would, the Grand Canyon would be a horrible place to lose a cow. Right? Okay, and that's what the cowboy says. He goes, man, I sure hope I don't lose a cow down there. And it's just one of those times where people approach the Grand Canyon different. And so there's many different approaches to this book. But what we want to do uh, and, 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 and what the purpose of this is, is to bring clarity and to really show what God has for us. Okay, Not just us as ecclesia young adults, not just us as individual followers of Christ, not just us as Hillside Christian Fellowship, but for us as the body of Christ, the church of God. And it is my prayer uh, that you guys understand the richness that you have. So many people go through life um, feeling drained, feeling uh, useless, but I want you all to realize uh, that you have richness in Christ, and you have richness as uh, a believer in Christ. I want you to realize, and I pray that you would understand, that as we live our lives, we need to reflect Christ in everything that we do. Would you guys agree by saying amen if you think that we should reflect Christ in everything that we do? Amen. amen. If you didn't say amen, you're going to in a few weeks. That's good. Uh, and how many of you guys think it's good to be ready to fight in season and out? I'm not saying box. Uh, I, I've, I've messed with Justin here in the front row before, uh, and I got a roundhouse kick to the face, and he knocked me out. It was great. It was a fun time. Uh, he was ready to fight. I wasn't. Um, but uh, we need to be ready as believers to give a defense for the faith and for the hope that we have. Do you guys believe that? Yeah. All right, all right, very good. Well, what I want you to do, enough of me talking, uh, let's see what the Bible has to say. So everyone got their Bibles tonight? Yeah. All right, let me see your Bible by putting it up in the air. 
All right? Some people got leather bounds. Some people got that cool fake paper bound. Some people got the smartphones. Let's do a little thing real quick. Um, I want to see how many smartphone Bibles we have. If you got the smartphone Bible, put it up, please. All right, we got one, two, three. Tablets also. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten of you rocking the electronic Bibles. Can I see? Can I see some old leather bounds, please? Put them up in the air. Represent for all us old folks. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. All right, we win. We win. Leather bound rules the day. Who knows how long it'll be before no one comes with an old school Bible to church and everyone's rocking their tablet or smartphone. It's going to be, hey, it's going to happen someday. There's always going to be one person, though. That person's probably going to be me um, because, uh, I don't know, I like paper. You guys, you guys like that sound the pages make? The really thin paper? It's just like, oh, yeah. Feels good. Well, man, regardless of how you got it, I ain't judging. God's not judging either. Just read God's word. That's what we believe, and that's great. Turn with me, if you will, uh, to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Let me know if you're there by saying holla. Let me know if you're not there by saying hold up. All right, we'll hold up just a few seconds for y'all. Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 10. And we're going to read those together, okay? Uh, sorry, I don't have the, the verses there up on the screen. Uh, so you're just going to have to bear with me uh, as we read through these things. Is everyone there? Holla? Yeah. All right, here we go. This is what it says. Picking up in verse 1. And it says this. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and in sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others." Here's the cool part, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in in them. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you so much. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that your word is truth. God, that your word is perfect. God, that your word, uh, God, was not just important for those people 2,000 years ago, but God is important for us today. And God, I pray that as uh, we look at your word tonight, God, that each and every single one of us would walk away different than when we came. God, we would have a better understanding of who we are in Christ. God, I pray that each and every single one of us, God, that we would be inspired by what your word has to say. Be inspired to live a life uh, as a believer in the richness that we have as believers. God, I pray that we would be encouraged by what your word has to say. God, that it would spur us along in our life as believers. And God, that it would challenge us to live more for you. God, it would challenge us to live more like you. God, we just pray that tonight none of these words would be of me, but God, uh, you would speak through, God, and that it would be your perfect words that come. God, may any words that be of me, may they fall on deaf ears, or may I not even be able to get them out of my mouth. But God, that it, your perfect uh, word rings through. So God, we thank you and we praise you in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Before I go any further, guys, I want to ask you, a question uh, that I believe is very, very important to each and every single one of us, okay? So I want you guys all to put your hands like this, okay? Get them up like this. Everyone get them up. Dusty's flexing. That's awesome. Okay, get them up. And then I want everyone to go like this. Then I want everyone to go like this. Huh. Everyone, okay, one more time. We're holding up. Huh. 
Now the question I want us all to ask ourselves is who do you think that you are? Who do you think that you are? Because this is a very good question. And as we're talking about life, and as we're talking about our life as believers, as we're talking about our life as followers of Christ, as we're just talking about life in general, this is a very big question to each and every single one of us. Who am I? What am I here for? Who am I and what am I? Who do I think that I am? Chapter 2, as you all can see, chapter 2 starts with us uh, in a trap. Okay, We are trapped in the slums of sin. Um, But by verse 10, here's the cool part, by verse 10, uh, we're changed uh, through Christ, by Christ, in Christ, uh, to glory. And, and I think this is awesome. It is the perfect picture of death to grace to new life. And uh, as we look at what it means to be a follower of Christ, it is paramount for us to understand we were once dead, but now we are made alive. We were once in darkness, but now we have light. We are sick, but then we were healed. We have life in Christ. And I think that's something we can all say amen about. We have life in Christ. Okay, let me say this one more time. It's something for you all to say amen about. We have life in Christ. Amen. Oh, there we go. Thank you. Okay. Man, tough crowd tonight. Ver- verses 1 through 3, uh, they have us uh, where we were uh, in our sin. Verses 1 through 3, if you're taking notes, you can break down these first 10 verses by this. Verses 1 through 3 are what we were saved from, and verses uh, 4 through 10 are what we were saved for. Okay, does that make sense? Does everyone kind of track along with that? So we're just going to go verse by verse. That's what we do. That's what Paul did when he was in Ephesus for three years, almost 2,000 years ago, uh, spending three years going verse by verse through uh, the scriptures. Uh, That's what we like to do. But we're not going to be here for three years. We're going to just be here for about another 25 minutes tonight. Amen? All right. Here we go. So we see darkness to light. Um, and, and, and this reminds us of creation. God takes this earth that was dark and void, and, and, and there we see God created light. He said, let there be light, and there was light. And then we see God create the world and bring life uh, into the world. It's awesome. The Bible tells us that we are new creations in Christ. Amen? So being a new creation, hey, this is another richness that we have. This is another Spiritual blessing, this is something that we can add to our bank account, our spiritual wealth. We are new creations. Now, I want us all to realize when it comes to sin, uh, we were not sick with sin. Okay? Everyone say, I was not sick. Okay? You were not sick with your sin before Christ. It's worse than sick. You were dead. You were dead in your sin. And if you have not decided to follow Jesus Christ, and and, and it's never too late, and you're going to get a chance to at the end of the service, but if you have never decided, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ, guess what? You are dead in your ways. That's what the Bible says. That's reality. You are dead in your ways. David, who was a great king, um, he struggled with sin, but he was a man after God's own heart. He was a good shepherd. Uh, He defended his flock from bears and from lions. He killed a guy by the name of Goliath. Uh, He also was a very good musician, and he wrote some amazing songs. Uh, We sing some of his songs even now still today. It's really cool. David was a good guy. But David admitted, I was born into sin. I was conceived in sin. Um, Let me put it this way. How many of you guys, uh, how, how many of you guys were ever a little kid before? There we go. Everyone raises their hand. We're all honest in here. Okay. When you were a little kid, did someone have to teach you how to lie? Did someone have to teach you how to do something you weren't supposed to? When it comes to being a little kid, it is our nature that we act a certain way. No one has to teach a little kid how to lie. We all have a conscience and we all have a sin nature that we were born into. And what I want us to think about tonight, you guys remember what I ta- uh, what what I just said was verses one through three were us trapped in this cycle of sin, this death, and then by verse ten, after verse four, we see new life and we see transformation. There, uh, I happened to be on Facebook today. Yes, I was on Facebook. Um, I was on Facebook for a few minutes, and and something caught my eye. It was a video um, by National Geographic about a guy uh, who had been burned. Okay, and this guy had been burned, had third-degree burns 
uh, all over his arm and all over his shoulder and all over his face. Uh, it, I mean, it was ridiculous. And I, I would have showed the video tonight, but it's graphic, okay? And, and some of us can't handle the graphic. I was having a hard time back there. But this dude was burned, okay? Uh, and, and it was kind of a life and death situation. Maybe not for him physically, but for his skin. Because how many of you guys know uh, that skin is a very cool thing? How many of you guys like biology and like anatomy and physiology and stuff? Skin is cool, okay? I don't know how much you guys know about your own skin, um, but we could talk a lot about skin. I don't have time to tonight, but it is your largest organ, okay? Skin is a big deal, okay? And skin is made up of cells. A little biology lesson for you guys. Skin is made up of cells, and when someone gets burned, when there is a burn that takes place, in order for it to heal correctly, uh, that skin cells that, that are now charred, they need to be replaced very, very fast, very rapidly for there to be a good um, healing process to take place. Uh, most of the time when someone gets burned uh, and they have a really bad burn, they take your uh, skin cells and they, and they culture them, they do a biopsy, and they make um, a, a kind of a manufactured skin out of your own skin cells. They make it in a lab, but it takes a few weeks. It takes a long time for this manufactured skin uh, to fully culture, and then they attach it to your skin. They take the bandages off, which is probably a painful uh, situation, and they, and they put this fake layer of skin on you, and it then begins to mold itself back into your skin, because it's your cells. It connects. It starts getting the blood. It starts doing its thing, and you get some new skin, but you got some pretty gnarly scars, okay? And this new skin that they give you is very fragile, okay? And so this one doctor, uh, he said, you know what? Um, there needs to be a solution, okay? And he got this solution one day as he was walking by and he saw someone airbrushing paint, like painting with an airbrush. And he said, what if we can make a gun that sprays skin cells? I know, it's crazy. Okay? that sprays skin cells and can help burn victims. Just like paint new skin on them. Sounds crazy. Okay, But this dude with third degree burns, he was one of the first, uh, I, victims isn't the right word, one of the first test subjects of this new gun. And what they do is they take a biopsy, get your skin cells, put them in water. Okay, Just water. Our bodies are made up of a lot of water. That process takes about an hour and a half. They put it into this high-powered sprayer gun and they just spray it you can watch it on the video they they just spray the skin cells and it'll, it's like what on earth is happening he sprays it on like the the lens of the camera and you can see it just like paint up the camera and it's all skin cells it's actually kind of gross when they spray the camera with it but it's all skin cells okay and what normally takes a few weeks for the new skin to come uh this guy three days later had perfectly brand new skin because when it happens fast, the skin cells, they react, they grow. And this dude who had third degree burns had zero scars three days later, completely new skin. It was from complete horribleness, dead skin, to new life, and it happens in an instant. And there had to be something new put in. And, 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 and why do I say this? Um, that's what Christ does for us. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. But I thought it was uh, I thought it was kind of a cool thing that we're talking about from death to life uh, tonight. And then I just see this video about this death to life with skin cells. It was really cool. And if you want, you can go check out the video. It's a National Geographic video. Yes. I actually, um, it's kind of similar to that. It kind of works that same way with bone. Uh, when I was 15, I got in a bad car accident. And uh, I have two rods implanted in my spine now. And um, actually, the, the day that I had the surgery done, I couldn't move, couldn't feel my legs, couldn't feel my feet, my arms, had to run out of walk again. But um, the doctor was supposed to be in there for like two months, the hospital. Um, two days later, um, with my mom, she was an occupational therapist, she did all this natural stuff with acupuncture. It was horrible, but somehow it worked, and uh, they started getting me walking again the next day. The third day, I was out of the hospital. Cool. Ooh, and it would have been awesome. out the second day. But I had, like, stomach because I took the medicines. And I just stopped taking all the medicines, except for the morphine. I just pressed that button all day because it was so Oh, yeah. Because the doctor, he walks in, he's like, there's no way. There's, there's no way that you can yeah. be like this, you know. And then I ran up the stairs the third day. That was a really bad idea. I should not have done that. <laughs> 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 Go to the That's awesome. Stairs, like, ah. That's cool. But, uh, other than that, yeah, it's, it's kind of 
kind of funny how new life can come that fast. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Praise God. Thanks for sharing, too. I like that. I like that. And I want you guys to know, this isn't all about me talking up here. You guys can, like, speak up. If you got questions, raise your hand. It's a safe place to do that, okay? Um, now, if you got, like, 30 questions, write some down and maybe ask one or two. Um, but, yeah, um, that's cool, guys. And we're talking about new life tonight, and we're talking about new life uh, as the believer. We're looking at it from death um, to life. And when we think of death and we think of the situation of being dead, what is needed for death to go to life? If we look at Jesus' life, he was dead, something took place, and then he was alive again. What is a word that maybe has to do with going from death to life? Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's up on the board. There we go. Resurrection. Okay, guys, resurrection. Resurrection needs to take place for us to move from death to life. So many people who are dead in their ways, uh, they seek something different than resurrection. Some people seek self-help, okay? What can I do to make my situation better? What can I do to make my dire situation become something that is good? And there's so many different things that people do. How many of you know or, or, or have friends or maybe you were this person where you were like, my life sucks. It just does. So I'm going to go to school like college, and I'm going to learn, I'm going to get a degree, and the degree is going to help me overcome this bad craziness I'm stuck in. Has, everyone, has anyone ever been there or know somebody who's been there? Okay, so what does this do? When you go to school, you get a lot of knowledge. Now what is the outcome? Dad came in, education is this factor. What do you get on the other side? You just get a very smart dead person. Okay, because and, and he's probably in debt too, but because there's no resurrection, but there's education. That's good thing. Dead person in, dead person comes out with a degree. It's crazy. So some people then go to like psychologists and sociologists and maybe a psychiatric ward and and, and, and who knows what goes on. But they go in dead and then they just come out someone on the other end uh, who was a well-adjusted dead person. You don't know how society works. You just think it's crazy. So you go to a counselor and you say, counselor, make me live. After you spend some sessions with the counselor, you come out just a better adjusted dead person. But you're still dead. Then I think about the people who are like, man, the only way to get this life better is to make my body the physicalist and the best it can be. I'm going to be uh, the healthiest person on the block. I'm going to juice every day. I'm going to drink a smoothie here and there. I'm going to work out nine hours a day. I'm going to run. I'm going to go to the health spot. I'm going to get all these special aromas. I'm going to get facials. I'm going to get pedicures and manicures. It's going to be great. But what do you get on the other side? Someone who's just a good-looking dead person. Eucalyptus oil. But it doesn't bring resurrection. The thing is, self-help will never lead us to resurrection. The only answer uh, that gives us new life is the cross uh, and what Jesus did upon the cross. And this is where we are made new. Jesus uses the example, uh, we are born again. This new life, this rebirth, we are born again. Turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles. We're going to do a lot of Bible reading tonight. How do you guys like that? You guys like it when we, when we, when we read the Bible? I like it when we read the Bible and uh, have a good time fellowshipping together over the Bible. Turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 5. Man, this is a good portion of Scripture. Let me know when you get to Romans chapter 5 by saying holla. Let me know if you're not there yet by saying hold up. Romans chapter 5. Amen. Now, there's a very good verse, and everyone should have this verse memorized. This isn't even in the sermon. This isn't even in the notes. When, when we were praying before uh, the sermon, someone prayed that maybe I might stray off of my notes. Uh, so I'm straying off my notes a little bit because it was prayed for beforehand, so this is okay. Um, everyone should underline this. If you don't have a pen, you should get it. If you have a smartphone, you should double-click on your little verse and highlight it. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 8. <laughs> If you ever want to understand what happened to you, look at Romans chapter 5, verse 8. And it says this, But Christ demonstrated his love to us while we were still sinners. What happened? Christ died for us. Boom! That's what happened. That's the cross. God demonstrating his love towards us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 says, But because of God's great love with which he loved us, okay, God demonstrates his love towards us. Yes? I have a, a quick question. Yes. Um, I've uh, studied 
that verse before and uh, looked at it. And I came up with the thing that I don't think exactly when God says he died for us, he means he gave his life so that we would live. I think he, he died so that, and I, I'm just curious yeah. whether or not if you, guys, if you believe this or not, that he died for our sins to mm -hmm. wash them away, and then he also died so that we'd have the option to choose him or not. Correct. Correct. Okay. And, 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 and that is where we would stand. And I think that goes along with what Sam's question was a little bit earlier on tonight. Yes, Christ Christ died and his, and, and, and his blood covers the multitude of sins, which is what Scripture tells us. Uh, and Christ died so that we could have an eternity with him. Um, but it comes down to, hey, are we going to say, Jesus, I want to follow you? Um, and, and some would teach, and you guys, I'm, I'm, I'm already starting to go back on what I said we talked a little bit about it previously, but but some people would say that Christ only died for a specific group of people, uh, that his blood is only for those people, and those people uh, were pre-chosen, uh, uh, which from our perspective, yeah, because God knows the end from the beginning, God knew who was going to choose him, but in the end, we came up with this solution, and it's not us coming up with it, uh, it's a solution that's been around for a long time, but choose God and find out God chose you. Choose God, find out he chose you. You do the choosing. Okay? Jesus says, hey, come unto me. He doesn't say, I've already brought you. we got to do the coming. we got to do the responding. But God already knew it was going to happen before time. So does that kind of help? Yeah. So, 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 yeah, I'm in full agreement. We we do the choosing to find out God chose us. Yeah. And, and, and it's circular. We're never going to understand it fully uh, until we get uh, to heaven. Uh, but Ephesians is littered with these predestination, foreknowledge, and all these things in the same verses. Uh, and it's a long talk, and we've uh, we've spent a lot of time on it. It's, and it's good to talk about it. But God demonstrated his love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He provided a way for us uh, to have freedom uh, from this entrapment that we are, from the death that we have. But what I want us to focus on uh, is I want us to focus on uh, verse 12, and we're really going to read uh, verses 12 through 21. So is it okay if I speed read a little bit with yeah. you guys? Okay, here we go. Romans. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 uh, through 21. It says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death brought sin, uh, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgressions of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense, for it uh, for if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And, uh, and the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for judgment which came from the offense resulted in the condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who received an abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as though one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in the justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might be uh, that the, the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through the righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now we're going to talk. A little bit more because as you continue on to read in Romans chapter 6, it talks a lot about death and life. But we're not studying Romans right now. We're studying Ephesians. But I want you guys, I'm going to give you homework. Can I give you homework? Is it okay if I give you homework? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I see some people shaking their heads like, no, I already got too much homework. I come to college group to escape homework. Um, I'm going to give you a little bit of homework. Read Romans chapter 6 this week. Okay, it's crazy. It talks about how we were dead in sin, and now we are uh, alive in Christ, and how we are no longer slaves to sin, but we are slaves to righteousness, and how if we are dead to sin, 
we will no longer sin. And even if we want to sin, so it says, hey, since we have grace, can't we sin as much as we want because we have grace? No! Paul says, certainly not. Because if you truly love God, as First John would tell us, you're not going to want to sin. And if you continue to sin, you truly don't love God, which that's a dangerous place to be at because First John tells us, if you say you love me, but yet you do this, then you're a liar. And no liar can enter the kingdom of heaven. So it's crazy stuff. Okay? And so if we truly love God, we're going to live differently. We're going to talk more about what that means as we continue on tonight. And I'm looking at the clock, and I know I only got 15 minutes, so we're going to continue on. We are trapped in sin. There's a word that's used in theology all the time. Many of you have heard it. I'm going to get to you in just a second, Sam. Uh, but, 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 but there's a word that's used in theology a bunch. It's called depravity. How many of you guys have ever heard of the word depravity? It means we are depraved. It doesn't mean we are the, uh, the, the, the worst of the worst. It means we are the worst we can be according to what God's standards are. It is our depravity. Now, Sam, question. Um, what do you say? Like, you Mm-hmm. So getting to heaven is not as simple as it says confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believing. It is as simple as that. So you can believe that and you can still live like that. Well, if you truly believe it, then it, you, your life's going to be lived a different way. Because you can sit and, and, and I see hands popping up. So so, 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 so we're going to turn it into a forum, which is going to be fun. I just have a statement. Okay, statement. The issue we're bringing up now is eternal security. So if that's something Correct. we want to talk about later, we'll talk about it later. Yeah, no, no. And, <laughs> but it's really important, though. And John brings up it a good point. It brings up a lot of tension on comfortability. Yeah. I'm more than comfortable thinking about you guys thinking about it, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and 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 that's a very good question, okay? And what Jesus is talking about, and I know John's got another thing in the back. John, you go first. Uh, I was just gonna say on that point, um, like you said, it'll cause you to change. There's a verse that kind of just is compelling too. It says God won't strive with man forever, and if you continue to go in your ways and things like that, I mean, it's kind of a gray area. In scripture, so you better just you're better just to choose to change your life and follow after him instead of sticking your ways because God's not gonna strive with man forever. Right, and and I think something I know Alex has got something too, this is good. Um, but but when it comes to uh, salvation, there's only one way to get to heaven, it's not by works. And and, and and Paul talks about this a lot, Jesus talks about it a lot, John talks about it a lot, James talks about it, every New Testament writer talks about it, that um, there's there, there's no way we can work to receive our salvation. It is through putting our faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for us. Now, that being said, okay, and this is probably going to open up Pandora's box and we might not even get to the rest of the sermon tonight, um, but the what, one of the main themes of the entire New Testament, one of the main themes of Paul's 13 books that he wrote in the New Testament is a warning for us as Christians to be careful that we do not become self-deceived. Now, what does it mean when I say self-deceived? You start going through the motions of, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. But you can say it with your mouth. Romans chapter uh, 10 would tell us you got to say it with your mouth, but you also got to believe it in your heart. Uh-huh. Okay, when we're saying it with our mouth, that's a mental thing. And we can say, oh, yeah, that sounds good. But if it isn't a true heart change... It's what we call self-deception, and we can start going through the motions of, oh yeah, I'm saved, so now I can do whatever I want. That's what the people who were uh, were in the church in Rome were doing. That's why Paul said, hey, no, because you have grace doesn't mean you can sin as much as you want. It's the same thing that he tells those who were in uh, Ephesus. He tells those who were in Corinth. He really has a a, a hard time uh, getting it across to the, those in Corinth. So he says, "Hey, I'm going to write you a second letter." That's how we get Second Corinthians because there was some division there. Uh, and, and and John, as he's writing, John is writing to all Christians. But John, go figure, was a pastor in. Ephesus, the same people who Paul is writing when he writes Ephesians. And he says, hey, if you are truly a son of God or a daughter of God, and and, and he uses the metaphors, um, a a son or a daughter of the light, not of the darkness, uh, he he says you're not going to do these things. And he goes on to say, and and this is just talking when when we said liars and uh, we become a liar. If we say these things and we do opposite, we make God a liar. 
and God can't lie. And that's even more dangerous, where, where we start living a lie, which then makes what God's word has to say a lie to our lives. And that's a dangerous place to be. And so that, that probably makes us think even more like, what's going on? And I know John talked, uh, you just mentioned briefly, uh, our eternal security, which um, that is uh, something that uh, is brought up in theological circles all the time. And, and and some people see it differently, some some people say this, some people say that, and that's a big topic that we can spend uh, maybe a Saturday where we can all just say, hey, this is all the things that are talked about throughout all the different theological circles. But this is really what scripture has to say. Now, I know, Alex, you had something also. Well, just go along with that. It says, you know, you'd rather have you hot or cold. Right. Have you hot or cold than the warm. Right. And I think that, uh, to go back to what Sam was saying, yeah, you can still believe it, but your actions say otherwise. That just means you're lukewarm, and he says you'd rather have you hot or cold, or he wants to spit you out of your mouth. Right. So if you right. if you believe it, and your and your actions say otherwise, that means you're lukewarm, and in other words, that's the worst place to be. So. Right. Right. And I think there's two ways to approach the the conversation that we're embarking on right now. One is with utter fear, like I don't know if I'm, and you start second guessing everything you do in your life, and you kind of just get trapped in this endless circle of like, ah, am I doing this? Am I saved? Am I doing this? Am I saved? I don't know what's going on, and you can really get freaked out about it. Okay, and I think that's probably uh, what the devil would want us to do is is get freaked out, and we lose focus on God, and we lose focus on the whole thing. The other approach to it. The other approach to it is, yeah, it's something to be scared about, but the Bible tells us that we have a hope, okay? And it's a hope that no man can take away, okay? Uh, and First Thessalonians talks a lot about this hope. So be encouraged, okay? You can either be scared and run away, or you can be encouraged by, hey, there's some things that I can do that would maybe jeopardize where I am, okay? And, and, and so be encouraged by it and say, hey, I'm going to live differently. Because here's the deal. We, we talked when we talked about those five spiritual blessings that we have, and all of them were boom, 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 but the last one was forgiveness. And ultimately, we have to realize that God has forgiven us. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, and, 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 and he has legitimately changed your life, and you'd know if he has or he hasn't, and only you would know, but we'd be able to see the results. The Bible tells us that you will know someone is one of my followers by his fruit. So if you are living for the Lord, it's going to be apparent that you're living for the Lord. And it's going to be apparent that he's done something inside of you, okay? Uh, because you're going to see the results of those uh, in, in, inward changes uh, on the outside. And, and in that, Christ has forgiven us. And remember, he says we are justified. And he, it says he has forgiven our sins. So I know you got another question, Sam. Well, I was just thinking then, so just looking at that verse that I said, mm-hmm. so just that straight verse right there. So, if you just look at it, it kind of seems the way I said it, mm-hmm. so is that taking that out of context then? And that brings up another great question, and it's something that we call in theology, hermeneutics. Yeah, right. You can't just take one verse. you got to look at the verse in the whole context. And the whole context of the book of John, I mean, the book of First John, is all about God's love and about God's forgiveness and about how um, John's talking about black and whites. He's saying you're either saved or you're not, and if you're not saved, don't profess to be saved because now you're a liar, okay? And so, and when he's talking about liars can't enter the kingdom of heaven, um, it's, it's also referring to, hey, Jesus is the only way into the kingdom of heaven. He said it this way, and I know we're completely off notes. Are you guys all okay with this? This works good. I, 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 I love doing this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, this is good. I think it's I think it's healthy for us to 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 maybe take a break and be like, all right, what are we actually saying when we're studying God's word? Uh, what does Jesus say when he's approached by the Pharisees about the law? He says okay. it comes down to these two: the greatest of them is is love your neighbor as yourself and love God. Okay, so 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 love God and love people. But what does he also say when it comes to the law? He says, you have heard it said of old. That thou shalt not commit adultery. Okay? And and for the majority of the people in the room, I'm not going to say all, but uh, for the majority of people in the room, uh, we probably haven't ever dealt with adultery before. Because if we look at the true definition of what adultery is, the I mean, like the physical definition, it is man and a woman, married, uh, and you are cheating on your spouse having sexual relations with someone else. Okay? 
Does everyone understand what adultery is? Yes. Okay. But what does Jesus say about adultery? He says, no, no, I tell you, if you've even looked at a woman, or a man for you ladies, with lust in your eyes, you've committed adultery with her already. And what does the law say? No adulterer can enter the kingdom of heaven. So I think that just disqualified probably every single one of us. And if you say, no, I'm still qualified, then you're a liar, which then also disqualifies you. <laughs> okay? What else does he say? He says, you've heard it said of old, that thou shalt not murder. Everyone's like, oh yeah, that's great. Praise the Lord, I've never murdered anyone. Has anyone murdered anybody? Don't answer that. I'm a mandatory reporter. No, here, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Probably none of us have committed murder. Okay? But what does Jesus say about murder? If a man has hate in his heart, and this is not just for the men, if a woman has hate in her heart, then you've committed murder already. How many of you guys have ever had hatred towards somebody, and it's okay to raise your hand? More than once. More than once. Guess what? We're all murderers. And no murderer can enter the kingdom of heaven. So what does Jesus say? He says, hey, the Son of Man has not come to abolish the law. Okay? He didn't just do away with it. It's all there still. Okay? And it was written down for our admonition. Okay? The Old Testament was written down so that we can grow. Okay? The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. We can see the truth that was in the Old Testament through the New Testament. But guess what? It was still all written down. But Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish it. I didn't come to get rid of it. I came to fulfill it. Because the law cannot be fulfilled by men. Okay? Paul tells us that if the law was able to be fulfilled by men, this is this is crazy. If you haven't heard this, okay, I'm, I'm not going to try and confuse you, but this is what the Bible says. Okay? Paul says, uh, hey, if the law were perfect, and you could do the law perfectly, the law in and of itself would be salvation for you. If you can fulfill the law, that, that can get you to heaven. Okay? That's what it says. But the reason Paul's able to say that is because he knows it is 100% impossible to fulfill the law. Paul, of all people, would know. He says, I'm a Jew of Jews. I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. I know the law inside out. It's impossible. He's also able to say that because he's being inspired by the Holy Spirit, which is God. And so God's saying, hey, if you can fulfill the law, welcome to heaven. But it's impossible. So what did he do? He provided a sacrifice. He provided an atonement for our sins for our transgressions. And we're going to talk a little bit about, it's the next thing in my uh, notes, but the difference between what sins and transgressions are. Sins, we're all sinners, okay? You can sin whether you know it or you don't. But a transgression is when you willfully know what the sin is and you continue to do the sin. That's a transgression. And before Christ, our personal BCs, before Christ, uh, we were all stuck in transgression and in sin. We were sinning, we didn't even know it, and some of it we knew was willful sin. And we still continue to do it anyway. And this is what each and every single one of us is like because of Adam. Okay? Because Adam sinned. Hey, if it wasn't Adam, it was going to be another person. Okay? And because Adam sinned, we're all sinners. Our bloodline is tainted. So, realistically, there is nothing that any of us can do in order to get to heaven. That is man's plight. That is our situation. That is the definition of depravity. See how we just brought this thing whole circle right back on? It's, it's, it's good to get off track because all tracks lead back. And uh, that wasn't supposed to rhyme. Um, yeah, it's good. Um, so we have we smoothed some things out? Have we made some other questions arise? Um, it's good for us to have dialogue like this, and, and, and I think that's a, it's a great opportunity when we go out after this to hang out. Uh, we can talk some more about this, okay? Um, but I want us to continue uh, because I only have five minutes, um, and, and so we're going to just wrap this up very quick. Um, okay, the word sin. How many of you guys know what sin uh, means? It means missing the mark. How many of you guys know how many times sin is used in the New Testament? Sin is used about 173 times 
give or take, in the New Testament. Okay? Uh, this sin is the Greek word harmatia. Everyone say harmatia. Okay, can you think of an English word we get from this Greek word? Harm, harmful, maybe? Okay, sin is harmful. Sin is missing the mark or legitimately falling short of the goal. Um, Ephesians tells us, Paul tells us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, here in the book of Ephesians, that we, this is verse 3, that we were children of wrath. If I were to ask all your parents, they would probably say some of you were little terrors. You were children of wrath. But no, in our sin, listening to the spirit of disobedience, we were trapped in our ways and we were children of wrath. Um, but here's the cool part. Aren't you guys glad, okay, and I want us all to like kind of bring this back home. Aren't we glad that Ephesians chapter 2 starts out with the phrase um, that he made alive? And then it moves into what was once dead. Because if, if we were to take a look at, man, we're dead, we're, we're in trouble, um, and there's no way out, it, it seems kind of rough. okay? But he starts it out that we're made alive. He's given us the hope. Ver, verse 2 talks about how we were walking uh, to, to the ways of the world. This, this walking in accordance to the ways of the world, that, that, that Greek word for walking there uh, is, is the word that we get meandering from, where you kind of walk around aimlessly. You have no purpose. How many of you ladies... Or guys have ever gone shopping right after you got a paycheck and you really had no purpose, uh, no mission to go for. So you're just walking around. You're like, I got money. I'm going to spend it. And you're like, let's get some clothes. And then you're like, why did I get those clothes? How many of you guys have ever done I do that all the time. Uh, and I have shirts that I have no reason for owning, but I still have them and I don't return them. Um, but yeah, it's meandering. We're just walking around. We go back and forth from fad to fad. Okay, I just want to ask you guys a really big question real quick, and, and, and it's all going to make sense in just a minute. But if I were to ask you guys, who are the two most important people in the history of the world? Jesus. Okay, the first one would be Jesus. The second one, Noah. Who, who would be the second most important person in the world? Abraham Lincoln, that's good. Jason, you better say your wife. Ah, you're a genius. There you go. No, no, no. How many of you guys know who the second most important person in the Bible is? No, this is crazy because this will help kind of shape your worldview. But, uh, okay, John, Moses, Aaron, Saul, Aaron. Wait, wait. Moses. Adam. Noah. Adam. Yeah. The, the first most important person in the Bible is Jesus. The second most important person in the Bible is Adam. I'm losing you guys quick, aren't I? Yeah. Okay, Adam is the second most important no. person in history. And we know this because Romans tells us this, Ephesians tells us this, and 1 Corinthians uh, tells us this. And we, I need you guys for five more minutes. Five more minutes. We're going to wrap this up. I can't leave you guys in your craziness. Okay. Here's the deal. We tend to base a lot of our life decisions off of fads off of what's going on in culture, but everyone is a descendant of whom? Adam. 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 What was Adam's nature? Sin. Sin. So we decide, we base our life off of sin. And the question I want us to ask ourselves, are we in Adam or are we in Christ? Are we in Adam or are we in him? Because what's the whole point of this book? It was written 27 times in the book of Ephesians. In him, it is our new life in Christ as believers. Our nature was death, and our natural was to be wrathful. Um, and, and when we're talking about nature, I'm going to have Bo. Bo's going to come up and play guitar, and we're going to get a, we're going to get a little bit energetic in here, which is fun. But when you think about nature, when you think about something natural, when was the last time you heard a dog meow? It doesn't happen. But everyone knows when a dog... Anybody knows when a dog woofs or barks, it's a dog. Because it's their nature. And they do what their nature is. And our nature is sin. We are sinners. And we're trapped in our sin. That's all we know. But here's the cool part. Who wants to be brave who's still in Ephesians chapter 2? Give me the first two words of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. Ephesians John Paul Williams, you said it, so just say it loud. It says, but God. But God. 
And we are trapped in our sinful ways. Our nature is to sin. We have no other natural impulse but sin. But here's the deal. The Bible tells us, but God. And that's got to be one of the most theologically most important two words that the Bible has. It says, but God. That's crazy. Because he didn't have to. It could have said, man trapped in his ways, God looked and saw and God destroyed it all. But no, it says, but God, because of his love with which he loved us by his grace. What does verse 8 say? It is by grace you have been saved through faith. We have to notice that we were in utter darkness. That we were dead. There was nothing that we could do but God. And if you guys walk away with anything from tonight, you probably learned something you didn't learn. Uh, you probably learned something you didn't know. Uh, you probably got more questions than you came in with, but that's okay. But if there's one thing that you can pull away from this tonight is these two words, but God, because everything hinges on those two words, but God. This is the crucial hinge of the entire New Testament. It is the crucial hinge of the entire Bible. It is the crucial hinge of the history of this planet, but God, but God, because you're stuck however you are, but God, because of his love, because of his grace, has made you different. Verse 10 goes on to say uh, that, that he set some things up beforehand. They're his good works. Verse 7 tells us all about his riches. God's riches, not our riches, God's riches, which he has set aside for you. And here's the cool part about all of this. Because God set it all for us. And guess what? He wants us to do his works. How does Rome... Uh, how does Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 end? He says, His good works, which we should do. God has given us the opportunity. We don't get the opportunity. God gave us the opportunity to do His good works. We've been talking about the richness, the wealth, the blessings that we have as believers. Guys, we've been set free. We've been forgiven. So now let's go live for God. So coming back to the questions that have been asked, hey, how does this whole thing work? Here's the plan. We were trapped in sin, but God loved us. We were trapped in sin, but God gave us grace. It's a free gift that we don't deserve. And what does he want us to do with the grace we've been given? To go do his good works. Love. Grace. Peace. Kindness. Live with joy. These are God's good works for you to go live with. So you might be questioning, man, I'm stuck in my sin. Hey, are you set free? Because my Bible tells me whom the Son has set free is free indeed. We don't have to live trapped in our sin because God has set us free. You still may struggle here and there. We all do. We're human. But God has provided His forgiveness. And God sees us as if we never see. It's justification, folks. So I want us all to close our eyes. We're going to do something that we don't always do, but that's okay. I want you guys all to close your eyes and bow your head. I know most of you in the room, but some of you I don't know. One of you I just met tonight. And uh, it is my duty uh, as a follower of Christ and as a minister of the gospel that... I'm talking about freedom. I'm talking about salvation. And I would be remiss if I didn't give you guys all the opportunity tonight to receive salvation. The Bible tells us that we are all sinners. Romans tells us that we are trapped in our ways and we fall short of God's glory. But he provided a way of escape. And Romans chapter 10 tells us that if we believe it in our heart that Jesus is God we confess it with our mouth that he raised him from the dead that we shall be saved Romans 10 also tells us that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved so if you have never made the decision to follow Jesus in your life before never I'm not talking recommitting your life to Jesus that's great okay that's great but if you have never said I want to follow Jesus and I want his blood to cover my sins 
I want you just to take a step of faith and say, hey, just I'm going to respond to your call in my life and let me know just by raising your hand. Is there anyone in the room? Awesome. So here's the deal. I want you guys all to open your eyes. No one raised their hand. So that can mean one of two things. One, we're all brothers and sisters, and praise God, we're going to spend eternity with each other, and we're going to kick it and rejoice tonight, because we're all brothers and sisters. Or it can mean, you're just saying, hey, I hear the gospel, but I don't want to respond to it. That's your choice to make. But here's the deal. Know this. Know this. No one knows they are the hour when your time expires. I like how Bo's music got a little bit intense here. <laughs> Here's the deal. You could walk out of here tonight and you could pull out of this parking lot and some car forgot their headlights on going 30 miles an hour comes and sideswipes you and you're dead. And if you have not put your faith in Jesus, you will spend an eternity separated from this That's a scary situation. Here's the deal. I'm going to believe and I'm going to say, hey, we're all on the happy side of that because we've all put our faith in Jesus. Something is awesome because God's people, when God's people get together, the Bible tells us that God inhabits the praises of his people. So I'm going to ask you guys all to stand. We're going to close in a word of prayer. But how about let's close in this word of prayer? We're going to declare how great God is. Is that okay? Can we do that tonight? Lots of questions, lots of talking, lots of Bible tonight. Let's declare how great God is tonight. Christ tonight. You have new life in Jesus. Go live that life to the fullest. Amen. Amen.